Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me once again is 411's own Steve Cook. And uh, we are going to talk Dark Side of the Ring. Now, yes, this is uh, coming out uh, about a week or so, uh, about a week, less than a week after the uh, premiere episode of season three, uh, the Brian Pillman episode. But uh, Steve and I wanted to get our notes together and, um, you know, really kind of look at this thing a little more in depth since uh, this is one that, that a lot of people are talking about. Steve, the first question is, um, what did you think overall? I think for me, I mean, it was very well done um, when you compare it to what we've seen in recent weeks from a documentary standpoint, <laughs> A&E, Macho Man, um, some of those things. Uh, I thought this one was a lot of, well, I mean, it was just much more in depth. I think it just added, you know, certainly a, a different element than maybe we've seen with, with some of those uh, A&E biographies. Well, the one thing that the Dark Side guys do that I like is, especially if you want to compare it to the biography and whatnot, the guys that they bring in, guys and gals they bring in for these shows, know the person that it's about. Yeah. Like, for example, on that Randy Savage show, you had, like, freaking Bubba Love Sponge, and <laughs> right. you had the the uh, random actor guy, and you had Hulk Hogan spinning his tail. Lots of stuff going on there, but uh, the people on this show, you, I mean, like, you know, obviously, Brian Jr., the kids, uh, Linda, you know, and then you had, you had Meltzer and JR, Jim Cornette, uh, Kim, these are people that knew Brian, and you know, the few of those might be your general wrestling experts, but they also knew knew Brian very well because they they worked with the man. Uh, Pillman was in tight with Meltzer, and uh, Kim Woods, a character we'll get to later, very interesting. And you know, Bischoff was you had Bischoff there too. These are all people that actually knew the guy. They had a lot to say, and I thought the story with the family was well done as well, and uh, done in a way too where it didn't seem too sensationalistic. Yeah. It didn't seem like they're trying to troll for attention. They did cover some some heavy stuff, which we'll probably get to, but I thought overall is uh, very well done and uh, glad to see that personally as a, a man who uh, just to jump off on a tangent real quick, uh, going back when I was watching you know Pillman's career back in the day as a kid, I, as most of you probably know that followed me. I am also a football fan. I'm also a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yeah, uh, from being from Cincinnati area, so. I mean, I was not old enough to watch Brian Pillman play football, mind you, but I was old enough to when I turned on Dice W and I saw Flying Brian wearing those uh, Bengal stripes and uh, Jr. and Shawn. He talked about how he was a how he played for Bengals back in the day, won the Ed Block Courage Courage Award and all that stuff. I was on board. I was a fan. I was all about Flying <laughs> Brian, and then you know, and I I followed him from from there to the tag team with Stunning Steve and to all the the Horsemen, Loose Cannon. I was a Brian Pillman fan back in the day and uh, one of my favorites as a kid. And uh, of course, the way it all ended, you know, uh, sad, very sad and whatnot. But so as somebody who's a fan of Pillman's uh, growing up, I thought it was I thought it was very well done. And I was it brought back a yeah, it brought back some sad memories, but also some good memories. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think so. Like think back to like the the loose cannon gimmick and, and i think you know we sort of as we saw i mean it was essentially you know felt like more than certainly a, a well-crafted uh gimmick and, and character in terms of uh everything that you know kim wood talked about we will get to him because he was a a very big part of this and you and i also listened to uh an interview he did uh, as well after that was uh very um you know interesting also just to kind of add more context to everything but like the the loose cannon gimmick was just so 
I mean, it was so interesting at the time, like thinking back, because again, we're, you know, in hindsight now, 20 something years later, um, it, it, even at the time, like it was so different. And I think now, like, even if you go back and watch it, which I'm sure, um, you know, Peacock is probably not going to, uh, I don't even know if that's on there. I, I don't They'll even, get there eventually. I was going to sure. say <laughs> that that's by SummerSlam, we swear. Yeah, yeah, that that one is one that, um, you know, my guess is I, I don't really know what will be uh, left of some of those things um, with that based on um, some of the other stuff that's been removed. But I mean, still, like you can look back now and, and they showed it, of course, in the in the documentary. But um, like it was, it, it it just felt so different. Like it really was. And I mean, that's where I think one of the things that I've made was like Pillman for all of his, like all the faults and, and everything they talked about, you know, the issues and, and some of the stuff that he had, like, I, I really think that maybe the one thing that we don't necessarily talk about enough, because this story is just so in depth with so many different, you know, twists and turns is like this guy in a sense was like an absolute like creative genius with some of the stuff that he came up with. Um, and yes, what was it, you know, stuff just off the wall stuff time. Sure. But like this guy had such a, a brilliant mind, I think when you look back on it and that's another one of the reasons, you know, sure. I mean, we'll get to the family stuff and that really was, as you said, heavy stuff. Uh, but from a, from a wrestling standpoint and just from kind of, you look into the mind of one of these guys like this, um, man, you just look back and you're like, this guy, he had something different, like from a creative standpoint. And, and that's why it just made it so interesting at the time to kind of see him do uh, what he did with that gimmick and everything that went along with it. You just don't see guys like that today with, uh, with the kind of uh, character development, kind of insight into, you know, how things tick and, you know, how to create a persona, how to create a character, how to, uh, you know, get yourself across uh, with the way you want to get yourself across. And a lot of people try to do that today, but we, I don't think anybody out there today does it as well as Brian Pillman did back in the day. I mean, certainly not to the level he does. I mean, let's be honest, a guy who worked, uh, he worked Vince McMahon into giving him a, a big contract, even though his body was pretty much uh, shattered. Yeah. Let's be honest. That's what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what happened. And I thought one of the things and. I mean, we can get into the Kim Wood stuff now. We we could talk for an hour probably about Kim Wood because I, I know he could talk for hours about it. Um, you know, he certainly did. <laughs> he certainly <laughs> did. Um, so so he did an interview afterwards with, uh, and I'm sure you know some people listening to this have probably heard it, but um, he did an interview with um with the guys over at um you know Figure Four online, and um it was Dave Meltzer and and his co-host uh, Garrett I think was the one on that episode. But I mean. Kim Wood was for two hours, like just, I mean, we were talking earlier before we started recording, like this guy connected every dot, I think in the history of professional wrestling in terms of, um, every connection he had. And he was talking about even more, you know, you saw him on dark side of the ring and, and his involvement. He was a big part of, you know, like you said, the guys who were really connected to, to Pillman throughout his life. Um, but like his extra, the extra stuff he added, he brought up the one thing you mentioned the Vince part. Like he brought up the Bischoff thing and about, you know, Bischoff basically sticking to his story of how things unfolded and, and Kim Wood just keeps going back to it, you know, and, and he's just like, you know what, Bischoff said this and that. And um, he's like, this guy is not going to admit anything that, that he was wrong about. 
when it came to this Pillman situation and being worked and all this other stuff. Um, so I would highly recommend uh, that interview because Kim Wood, not only, you know, we obviously said the stuff he said about Vince, which um, I think everyone remembers the, <laughs> the one line he had about Vince is uh, one of the biggest uh, <laughs> takeaways from the whole thing. But uh, Kim Wood also uh, went in on Eric Bischoff and uh, certainly said that, hey, Bischoff's not going to admit that uh, we basically worked him and we worked Vince. And uh, I just, Kim Wood, I mean, look, it was, it was more of a, a sad documentary than anything just based on you know we'll get to the the family stuff but it's like kim wood certainly stands out as a star because this guy had so many interesting things to say and i thought he added you know an element that you probably would not get if you take him out of that documentary like it's completely different having someone like him in there because he did have sort of a different type of relationship it seemed like pillman and uh, he's a real interesting guy in general. Uh, we're talking about a guy who was the he was a strength and conditioning coach for Cincinnati Bengals for decades, practically up until 2002 or so. He worked in that in that position. That's how he met Brian. And even after Brian left the Bengals, they were still good friends and whatnot. I think I guess Brian kind of looked to him as a father figure, and uh, Kim gave him a lot of advice and helped him work through his career. And it's funny where he he would keep talking on that Observer show. Keep talking about how he wasn't. Well, I'm not. He wasn't really a re- that deep a wrestling fan, <laughs> but he's still rattling off all these wrestlers' names. He's rattling off their shoot names, talking about all these matches he watched in Japan. You know, all his memorabilia he has. So it's kind of interesting how he's not really a wrestling fan, but he has all <laughs> that stuff. But very interesting cat, definitely. Um, definitely listen, listen to that guy talk for hours. And it's funny on the Bischoff stuff because uh, while doing this, I decided to go back and watch the. Uh, they do a documentary on Pillman back from 2006. It was, uh, you know, God, you know, how many years ago that was. And yeah. Bischoff was on that, of course. He was with WWE at the time, and you know, it, it, he was he wasn't quite as defensive about it. Like I, it seemed like on that particular show, like he knew he knew it was good. He like he knew he kind of been worked, but he went along with it because he he didn't hate Brian or anything. Like he's glad the guy went to get his money and. They might be able to do business somewhere else down the road. And yeah, as the years go go by, he's kind of been more defensive about it. Yeah. I don't know if somebody's smart enough to Meltzer being on the show or what, but because <laughs> I know whenever you mention Meltzer Bischoff, he gets very defensive. But uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the situation is there. But yeah, back then, uh, Eric knew what the deal was. And, you know, Brian Houston get more money. He wasn't mad about it because, hell, Vince paid the money and they were paying some stuff on the side. It wasn't bad for business, and let's be honest, Bischoff was using Ted Turner's money anyway. So, right. really, what did he care? Yeah, no, I, what I mean, did he care? It didn't matter. That that is kind of one of those things. It is kind of weird when you think about it, like you said. And you you told me you're going to go back and watch the 2006, which I didn't get a chance to do it, but I thought it would be very interesting to see kind of what you thought about it. And that's what you said. It it was one of those things where I don't remember. I mean, because again, like I mean, that's 15 years ago now, and and it you know feels like you know 30 probably at this point, just based on like when you think about uh-huh. like DVDs and and just the way like we, I mean we're talking about like a a series like this comes along with Dark Side of the Ring, and you think about all the stories and everything that's been told since that point. But um, what 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 was some of the things that stood out from like how would you compare and contrast? Which obviously it's completely different. You have a WWE um you know product here. Like we I mean this even goes into some of the stuff we talk about with the A and E biographies. Um, WWE's pushing what they want to push and something like that because they're the ones that are releasing it uh, versus something like this that's an independent thing where they're going to get to sort of the root of the story no matter how good or how bad it is. Um, I- I'm curious what you thought of going back and watching that that entire Loose Cannon one. 
Well, there's there's definitely more of a wrestling bent to it because it makes sense because WWE, of course, has the rights to ICW and they had the rights to air some Stampede stuff at the time and whatnot. So there they showed a lot of uh, you know Brian's entering career uh, showed a lot more than Darkside did because you know Darkside doesn't have the rights to all that stuff. So yeah. so Darkside kind of covered the the bigger stuff and also not surprisingly they they did not deep dive deeper into the family stuff which also makes sense from a WWE perspective because as we found out on the dark side stuff um a little bit of a different story a little bit of a difference in the way they explained the deal with uh brian's uh first wife there yes yeah there is yeah a little, a little bit of difference in the way they told that story uh, yeah, melanie of course was on both shows and i think we'll, we'll, i'm sure we'll probably talk about melanie here because yeah um yeah that that one <laughs> I don't, she, she, things yeah. have not gone well for Melanie over the years, quite frankly. Um, I, I, she looked a lot better back in 2006. I'll be honest with you on that. Um, and it, you know, you can't really feel sorry for her either, because quite frankly, uh, and the, if you talk to people, they, they didn't dive in as far on Melanie as they could have, because you hear some stuff about how if you go back to when they did the Pillman Memorial shows back in early, back in the late 90s. And they try to give that money to the Pillman family, and that money would end up spent somewhere by Melanie. And you know, you know, rest, she was working, I guess. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't really say it other than that. But uh, uh, so they dive as much into that, and yeah, that. So definitely two different perspectives. But then again, it kind of makes sense because they're not going to dive deep into the family stuff. And it's interesting too because Brian Jr. does appear on that show. But then again, at the time, Brian Jr. is like, what, 10 years old? Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot, and Brian Jr. had some stuff happen to him later on, which I'm sure we'll, we'll mention here. Yeah. Well, and that's where I was going to go next. Before we do, though, I, the one thing I want to bring up just on the, we were talking about, you know, Pillman's creative genius and, and the believability of everything he did. And, and we're going to get to Melanie after that. But, like, I think the one thing, and, and we've heard this over the years, and I can even remember back, you know, the, the rumor being thrown about about, how that, you know, Pillman, after he had the accident, was, you know, just the rumor of him getting plastic surgery. And you had Jim Cornette telling <laughs> telling that story um, on on Dark Side of the Ring. And that one was not covered on the WWE for the uh, production. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that, that, that probably, but like, that's one of the things that I think about. And, and like that, I put that specifically in my notes. I'm like, Cornette rumor, plastic surgery, like that is something you just think about. And you're like, this guy had everyone fooled to like he had done such a job of making everything he did so believable and so real um unfortunately as as we said to an, an ultimate you know probably he didn't want to go as far as he did ultimately when you you saw how things turned out but um you know he had everyone believing that he was getting plastic surgery to become Shawn michaels you know <laughs> like just well, think about that like that's just i yeah. don't know so and also well another difference from the two uh productions there is I I didn't know how just how messed up he was even. I mean, yeah. I I did not know his face was basically. Uh, I know he's basically Bruce the Barber Beefcake. Right. I yeah. did not know his face was uh, torn up as bad as it was. I mean, obviously we, we knew about the shattered ankle and we knew about the fusion, what happened there, but it's amazing how just how messed up he was from that accident, and like we said earlier, like how how he still managed to get paid. That was some damn good work by Brian. Yeah, it, it was indeed. And um, all right. And I don't think Doug you wanted to highlight that too much because yeah, <laughs> because of how well they got worked there. I don't think and, so. I mean, they they probably made some money back on that DVD, but probably not that much. 
Well, and you can hear in Kim Wood's voice, not just on Dark Side of the Ring, but you can hear it, like we said in that interview with The Observer, is, I mean, you can tell, like, there's still a sense of him that just wants to say, hey, he wants to make sure you you realize, like, we, we got him. Like, that's sort of, I mean, he brings it up. He may slide it in there just in a random anecdote or something, but um, he, he's not shy about bringing that up each time. Because, as he said, and, and here's the thing, too, that I thought was very interesting, and it's very real, and that's what we talk about is he's not wrong. In terms of when you think about it, like, you know, it's Vince is going to do what Vince thinks is best for Vince and, and his business. And it's the same thing with Bischoff. Um, and it's anyone, you know, I think in a spot yep. like that and to know that, hey, you you have to sort of look out for yourself and you have to put yourself in the best position to give you the best path forward. And I think that's something that you can certainly look at and say they did that. I mean, they they. It pulled off something that I think is very hard to do against the likes of people like that who are ultimately looking out for their own self-interest in their own company. Um, but to do that like that, it's an impressive feat. There's no other way to put it. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. Um, so you want, did you want to dive into the Melanie stuff? All right, next, let's get or? to the Melanie stuff. Yeah, let's let's you, go into that. You mentioned <laughs> it. I, and that's that, I mean, legitimately in my notes, that's one of the first things I put down was, um, the, the toll that this has taken on her, um, and, and again, like you said, you can certainly compare and contrast just by photos, but I think just the, the aspect of just seeing this person and seeing her tell this portion of her life and recall back on everything that happened. I mean, that to me, probably aside from the, the Brian Jr. stuff we're going to get to, like that was the most glaring part of this for me was just seeing her telling, you know, throughout this entire two hours, her telling her part of the story, recalling back on what obviously were some very painful memories. Um, but just to see the the visual aspect of this, which is this is something that I think is, you know, in these kind of things like these documentaries, it's so important um, to have that sort of backstory on on where things started and where they are now. But I think this is one of those clearest pictures you could find on terms of what is a downfall of a person based on some of the things from the past. Like this was as glaring as it gets for me when you just look at Melanie. Bell. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they talking and let's be honest though. It's Melanie has her role play in this. Melanie is, I think it's a lot of, I think when somebody said in the film, you kind of reap what you sow there. Yeah. And Melanie brought a lot of this on herself and they dove into how, uh, where she was, partially respond at least partially responsible for what happened to uh brian's other wife there is uh and how the other the other daughter never forgave her and do you blame the other daughter for not forgiving i don't yeah i can't blame her for not forgiving melanie for that that is just you know and melanie and i think melanie's kind of it seems like she's right at a point where she knows uh that she did wrong that uh you know she's she's not an angel she knows that she messed a lot of things up and she also knows that there's not really anything she can do about it which gotta be a it's gotta be a tough tough thing to deal with and uh, to go back to another film we watched recently and the, the Macho Man biography it reminded me of uh, Lex Luger there where he was talking about how yeah. you know, with what happened with Miss Elizabeth where he knew that he knew that he was partially he he knew that he didn't kill Elizabeth but he knew he was partially responsible yeah. and there's nothing he could do to fix that and it's something he has to live with and Melanie is very much in the same boat there where. She did wrong by these people, and there's nothing that she can do about it. No, it was. Um, I just thought that again, 
from a and you know just from a a documentary standpoint like to the way that they sort of i think just put everything together and just that visual aspect of her and, and her recounting a lot of this like it was something like you said where it's you, know, you ultimately see that some things can can catch up and i mean that certainly looked like that case there when you just think about sort of her reaction to a lot of this um like you said you look at the daughter's reaction and you know, we'll, we'll get to Brian Jr. because I think he was probably, for me, the, I mean, that's the one thing that really just maybe stands out about everything else. But the Melanie thing was, I mean, as, as glaring as it gets in terms of that. And before we get to Brian Jr., one of the things I wanted to, to talk to was the Jim Rohn. You mentioned J.R. was in this. And I think that was, to me, one of those things where even with all of these people that were in this, I mean, Kim Wood especially, we know because of the connection he had. But I, I think, too, like this is where you add in like people like Meltzer and, you know, being at the funeral and him telling, you know, recounting the story of the kids running up and, you know, saying goodbye to daddy and, and all this stuff. Um, I think that the sense I got was pretty much everyone. And we mentioned the Bischoff thing. Even if Bischoff does have some defense about, you know, wanting to hold on to his his what he perceived was was his story in this whole thing um i still got the sense that everyone in this like you felt the same thing from everyone and i think jr when he mentioned the drug test and how he felt like you know brian had thought he'd betrayed him and all this other stuff i think you could really tell that that really impacted jr to where i think everyone in this thing you could sort of sense um from, from the you know the wrestling side of it and like we mentioned kim wood and everyone like they wanted to see this guy get out of this. Like they wanted to see him succeed. And that was sort of the overwhelming sense I got was even with all the things he did just from a wrestling standpoint in his career, um, you know, yes, the, the personal, this stuff, the personal demons, the relationships, all that. Um, some, some of those things did not turn out well, as we know, but like, you just got the sense from everyone that this was a guy that was easy to like, but they just, you know, they, they tried to steer it. JR talked about, it. he felt like he failed and that kind of stuff. They tried to steer it in the right direction, but you just got the sense that everyone wanted to see this guy get himself out of the spot. And it ultimately just, just could not happen. But I thought that was something to where this was a guy that just seems like he was very easy to like, even if, you know, at times maybe he was not easy to deal with, but he just, he yeah, was, you know, he was no angel either. I yeah, mean, let's be right. He was he wasn't an angel. I mean, he had various kids via various women. You know, he was not the most uh, not not the best, not the most. Uh, gosh, what's where I'm looking for here? Probably not the role model. You're you're necessarily, I guess, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Not the role model when it comes to certain aspects of life and whatnot. But uh, and yeah, the the with Jr. and he Jr. was on both of the uh, both of the films there, talking about his role there where. He's tr- he was trying to get Brian involved in other things about he was trying to get involved in broadcasting because he he knew at some point that Brian wasn't going to be able to deliver in the ring. And he was trying to get Brian involved in other things. And Brian really wanted to be the wrestler. That's what he wanted to do. And it came to a point where Jerry was trying, basically trying to get the guy on the right path. And Brian wasn't going to do that. And I do think and there's part of JR that still regrets it, obviously. Yeah. And when people figure we see him on dynamite and he's got his own podcast and we i think everybody's commented at one point or another about how jr seems like a pretty pretty bitter guy a lot of the time and quite frankly i i don't blame jr for being a very bitter guy with some of the stuff he's been through and in, in, yeah. in life and in wrestling and the pillman situation being one of them because he obviously cared a lot about pillman pillman was one of his one of his guys he you know he met him dice w and helped bring in the 
helping him out in WWF, and he was that his guy he cared about, and that probably wore on him quite a bit. And among a lot of things, it wore on JR over the years. So, yeah. no, I don't blame JR for being bitter. No, no, and and, and I, you just brought up exactly what I, I was did not put in my notes, but I was thinking it's like one of the lines I think JR said was about you know we should not be whatever it was like burying these guys this young and and that's what you just said like you talk about jr being seen as this bitter guy but it's like think about all the guys that have come along and are are no longer here and you know jr the the interactions and the connections and a lot of you know guys that were quote unquote like his guys that are not here and like he has to again you just i think i don't think you can even measure the toll that can take on someone like that in a in a business and in an industry that, as we know, is a it's a twenty four seven thing. Like there is when you're at that level, there is not a lot of downtime. There is not a lot of time to you know get away, collect your thoughts, do that kind of stuff. It is yeah, go. It, you know, I mean, Jared's gonna see those guys more. He sees people in his own family. Right. Yeah. And it's like that is like that is your family. These are your kids. Like we've talked about, like the Kim Wood thing. Like that's a different situation, but. Like, especially if you're someone working in one of these top companies at that time, knowing that you have two companies that are trying to put each other out of business. I mean, there's there's no stopping. And when you reflect back now this many years later, and, and I'm sure JR to be sitting there saying, like, Brian Pillman is one of many guys to this point that we have seen go at an age where it's just like you, you can't even fathom the number now of this many guys. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. Like, I don't think if, if you're JR, it's just, how can you not be bitter when you look back on some of the stuff and you just think about everything you've gone through and, and how can you not be, you know, sad when you think about and just look at this kind of stuff? You can see how, how, uh, you see how mad he got when he, when he's talking about the deal with Melanie doing the interview with Vince the night yep. after, yep. which is still oh. quite frankly, one of the most disgusting things ever in wrestling. Let's be honest. It's just, yeah. Uh, awful. And yeah. Melanie and Melanie and both of them, uh, she said she wasn't pressured into it, and I believe I don't think she was pressured into it. But uh, she also said that Vince told her that she or was it the she asked Vince or Vince told her that they wouldn't mention drugs, and of course the first thing they mentioned is drugs. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's unfortunately I, I guess she didn't realize when you get into that, put in that situation, that uh, especially doing it with somebody like Vince, that's what they're gonna do. Yeah. Well, and Vince that's, does not come across well in these shows. Let's no, be, he doesn't at all. Vince does not get portrayed well in the dark side of the ring shows. Now, over in the biography, uh, biography oh, yeah. shows, he's portrayed as a saint. Yeah. So, saint Vince over there on A and E, but not so much ever on the Vice Channel. Vince and uh, Hulk Hogan, they are boy, they are as good as it gets on A and E. But when you change the channel device, um, you know, you get a different story. And and yes, yeah, that was, I mean, that was the next thing I was gonna bring up was like. I just think back and it's, you know, and that's one thing we talk about Melanie and certainly she had her hand and like we said, and then some of the things that happened that, that led to this story that we're talking about. But I mean, my goodness, like to be put in that situation. And like you said, it it probably was, you know, being naive in a certain sense of not necessarily thinking that they're actually going to go this route. But when the guy who runs this company that, you know, has a very big, audience and you're like there's no way i mean at that time she's probably thinking there's no way that he's gonna go in this direction and then when you actually see that played back like i had not which you know we we remember it but like just watching that played back that was my first thing was like are you serious but then i'm like you know what why am i saying that like this is again you think exactly what you expect exactly right and and that's the thing is i was like this is exactly what i would have thought if i go if i go back now 
knowing what I don't know, if I go back to that point, I would have said, of course, this is what's going to happen. Like, and so that's sort of the reputation, I think, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But still, it doesn't make it any any better um, when you when you watch that clip back. I don't that imagine they'll have that on A and E anytime soon. So, <laughs> certainly not. And uh, yeah, certainly not. Um, uh, another interesting. We can talk about talk real quick about another interesting angle from back in the day. That uh, one of those angles you might not see on Peacock anytime soon. And I'm thinking that that gun angle will probably not make no. Me. I don't think so either. And and that's what I don't. I don't again. I I don't know if the, like the raws and all that that are on there right now. Um, I think that they're still what are they they still got a long way to go. I know they just they just finished like they just added nitro and all those. I think, but um, like the the like the Melanie thing that's not going to be there. Um. Yeah. I mean, like all that stuff. And that's the thing is you think back to that, the gun angle, like that is one of those things. Like I can remember back with a gun angle. Like I remember watching it. Like I remember where I was when I was watching that angle. And of course, you know, as whatever I was at the time, like I'm just thinking back, I'm like, I probably had no idea. Like whatever they shot to whatever they did, I was probably thinking, oh man, like what, what happened here? And then, you know, they come back and, oh, that, that gun angle um, is one that will forever be talked about just based on the pure um, insanity of it. But but still, like you think back and it's like Vince had this guy act like he shot a guy on, on TV um, <laughs> on Raw. Like, it's just, you know, the, fun, and the thing about it for I remember they, that was right after they moved it to eight o'clock or well, 757. Yeah, because you, know, <laughs> you had to get to the minute back in that day, you know, because you had started 757. Yeah. And that was at the time where I was I was in religion class actually at that point on Monday nights like from seven o'clock to eight fifteen or so, so I was happy again home at nine o'clock we watched my raw but then they moved to eight so it screwed me all yeah. up I missed most of the first hour so of course uh, by the time I get home oh so I I missed that whole thing live as it happened and you imagine you know being a young you know teenager or whatever you get home you turn on the channel. You see a complete chaos with the, <laughs> with Pillman and Kevin Kelly. It's like what the what, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a, that's a thing to walk into when you when you turn it, when you flip the channel on. And you see that not exactly standard fare for Raw back then or or since because I think they they figured out pretty quickly that eh, that's not really a road you want to go down. I was kind of surprised Austin defend the whole thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was gonna say like what a, what a road. Right. Like what a road you think back, like just which they showed it like their first appearance is the Hollywood Blondes. And then you think to the point that they got to with that angle right there. What a like what a twist and turn that is. Um, How could you uh, ever have predicted that? <laughs> love the, you know, I was, I was a big Hollywood Bond fan back in the day, too. And of course, it's good to see Steve on here talking about that. And him and Brian, of course, are very close. And we've heard the story behind that Hollywood Blondes many times. It's always good to. Of a, it was really cool as a rest, just as a wrestling fan back then because they're they're kind of my guys as a wrestling fan. I I watched them in WCW and I watched them make the move from WCW to you know to both guys then be ECW and then make moves to WWF. So I pretty much got to see the that whole part of their career unfold right in front of me. And as it's one of those things that kind of shapes you as a young wrestling fan. And I think we all have those guys that we watched when we were youngsters and. We kind of see the whole career develop and we become attached to them. And those were two of the guys for me. Yeah. And I, that's why I was thinking, it was like, this is why it's, well, I mean, it's not good because we know the stories are not good, but like 
to have a dark side of the ring um, and those kind of things, like you can go a little bit deeper on some of the WCW stuff. Cause I feel like in everything WWE does, you know, produced when it comes to WCW, like it, it's not, they don't care about covering the right. ass. The, there, there's a vision there and there's a, you know, an, a, there's a driven narrative that's going to be different maybe than what you get by actually diving into the meat of some of this stuff from WCW. And that's why, you know, to an extent it's like, well, I wish WCW was still in business and you had like the WCW network. Cause you would get more stuff like this, um, that maybe goes into stuff like that. But you know, at this point you're never going to get it, um, overall. And now, yes, you get a lot of good stuff and you get the shows that are there, but to be able to kind of dive into some of those, because I, we know like how many stories you could come up with from WCW and all that. Um, that that's a whole nother element, but, um, all right, Brian Jr. Because this was just, I mean, I, I think of, there, there were a lot of points in this where you looked at him and you're just thinking, how in the world would I never be able to root for this? How is he anywhere? How is he anywhere near normal is what I wonder. Well, that too. Right. It's like, because I mean, like you just even go back to like the first, like when he, when Pillman dies, it's like, he's thinking it's a work. Like he's wondering (laughs) when everybody's going to come out and the cameras and all this other stuff. But then, you know, you think about him going from that to telling the story, you know, being abused by a stepfather, but not just telling the stories of being abused, like going into like the actual stuff and all of that, um, that was brutal. I mean, just to hear that part of it, and then the one that got me, and I think everyone sort of echoed this, like him breaking down when he's talking about, you know, not having anyone there to throw a baseball or football with, and, um, you know, just wanting to, to play sports and do this other stuff, but not having anyone there to kind of play with him, and that sort of like, oh my goodness, like that was just, I mean, again, how you come out of this and you're not, you know, going to be the biggest Brian Bowman Jr. fan in the world moving forward based on what this kid had to go through and where he is now. Um, you know, ha- finding a way in AEW with the Varsity Blondes, him and Griff Garrison, like Brian Pillman Jr. just, I mean, he came across as someone like this. That, like, as you said, how in the world is he even in the point right now to where he is in his life? Well, and definitely, and, and JR kind of touched on it as well, where pretty much he he sees a lot of the good qualities in, in Brian Sr. in him. And he hopes that uh, he hopes that Junior didn't acquire those negative qualities. Yeah. And you hope going forward, you know, as the years tick by here, that you hope that Brian Junior has a good career. You hope he has a good life, and you hope he keeps moving forward. And you hope he doesn't pick up some of those negative qualities that, that his dad had. Yeah. It was just, I mean, it was brutal to see him. Like I said, I mean, he he broke down quite a bit. Which how could you not? But it's like just hearing him say some of those things. And, and thank God, thank God for Linda, by the way, that woman. Oh well, yes, I mean she. Again, you don't want to call anyone sort of a star when it comes to this because you're talking about a, a, a just a terrible story. But it's like she, like having someone like her like telling all this stuff, and she you know she's recounting having to be the one that's going to the hospital and. And this kind of stuff, like after, you know, Pillman's first wife, everything that happened with that, and after the accident, it's just like, you think about the stuff she's been through. And, you know, for her to be, I mean, she is like, just, I mean, really, if we really dive as deep as you can into this, and you're like, if she's not there in this, like, if she's not the person she is, who knows, like, where the kids are at? Like, who knows Mm. where Brittany and Brian and and everyone, like, who knows what, what that looks like without her? So, 
Wouldn't have been good, but thank goodness they have somebody like them. Thank goodness they have somebody like that in their life for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, we, we could probably talk a lot more. Like I said, we could probably just spend two hours talking about Kim Woods' comments um, on everything because <laughs> he he is a character. I, I think he should just just give him a podcast. I mean, look, every, everyone's got one. Just give Kim Woods. How, how about Jim Cornette coming off like a regular person too? Yeah, that was. How um, about the man has feelings for God's sake. That was different. Yeah, he. Um, <laughs> what no, was that? I mean, Cornette was like you said, and that's what I mean. Mitch is like you could tell. Like a lot of these guys were just. I mean, they had these deep connections with Pillman um, in one way or the other, and it did. Like Everyone wanted to see this guy go towards the good and, and move away from the bad. And, I mean, as we saw, it ultimately did not happen that way. But, man, um, this was, this was I mean, this was one of the, the better, which I love Dark Side of the Ring. I know we both do, and you just look. But, I mean, they've done such a good job over the years with a lot of these stories. But, like, this one... I think there was a lot, I'll say this, there was a lot in this that I think you you had heard about in the past, but I think the way that they weaved it all together into the story that they told was about as good a job as you could have done, I think, with all all the elements involved. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, and I, I like how they, they had the family get together and all that, yeah. and the, they do it in a way where they don't sensationalize it, they don't try to they don't try to make everybody feel miserable for participating. They try, they try, it seems like they try to do good things for these people. And just, uh, it's a difference from, like I said earlier, from a difference from these other, some of these other shows where they have all these talking heads, uh, talking about the person, but now it's obvious they don't know anything about the person. There weren't any, there weren't any bubble love sponges on this show. Oh, boy. Uh, let's, we'll say that. Well, no bubbles. We'll quickly get to him in a second. All right. The next one up <laughs> in the lineup, as we know, is going to be, um, the ultra violence of Nick Gage, and oh, um, that's gonna be good. Well, like here's here's the synopsis <laughs> they put out for this, which um, Nick Gage is the self-proclaimed king of deathmatch wrestling, but his road to the top has been marked with a six-year prison sentence for armed robbery and personal tragedies. Like this is sort of the synopsis they have for this, but they they have an extended one too. But I mean, this one is gonna be, it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be bad to hear i think just you know you look at this entire story and you're thinking man this one with pillman was rough but like this one is going to be rough too like just in terms of i can only imagine what this is going to look like which we, they've released a clip you know with moxley talking about him and um and that kind of stuff but it's holy cow i don't know what well, to expect the, from this one but it's gonna the be good thing is that so far at least so far it hasn't had the end yeah, well, that's, so far. that's true. I mean, Nick so they came far. out on the other yep. side, and he's been doing well. He's been one of the great redemption stories on the independent circuit for the past couple of years or so. He's be, He's gone from, you know, being a punchline and being a joke to uh, being one of the more popular guys on the indies, a guy that a lot of people are clamor to see and whatnot. So, and got and good for him for it. I, yeah. He had a tough road in CCW. And I know that, especially amongst the 411 fans back in the day, I know a lot of people weren't exactly big on the ultra-violent stuff. I think it has its place. I, I enjoy a good blood fest every now and then. And so Nick Cage was always a guy that I enjoyed watching because he was a guy that was willing to do pretty much anything. Yeah. That guy's just, he's just crazy. That's all. <laughs> Obviously he's willing to do anything. He robbed the bank. for right. no. Obviously he's willing to do anything. So. Yeah. I was going to say Moxley. So that's be an interesting show. Was it the clip they released with Moxley recounting uh, him, you know, 
robbing the bank or something. He's like, the only time he doesn't, whatever it was, I can't remember the line, but. Um, the only two, yeah, well, it's basically, a lot of people have said, like, the only time he didn't wear a bandana right. in the first yes, place. there you go. That's <laughs> it. That's what Moxley said. It's like, it's when he decided to, to rob a bank. So, um, no, that uh, that is an issue. I've, I've gone back and forth on him, um, but I think this story is going to be one that, as we say with all these, like, it, it gets you much deeper into kind of knowing Nick Gage and, and that entire story that I think a lot of people... Probably again, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, a lot of stuff probably a lot of people don't know. Um, that, that you go a bit deeper into this, which is what they do at Dark Side of the Ring, and um that's gonna make for a very interesting one. After that, which we have uh, we're gonna coordinate and uh do do some podcasts around probably the majority of these. Um after that you've got Nick Gage coming up uh this week, I think, and then it's gonna be collision in Korea on May the twentieth, twenty seventh. You've got the Ultimate Warrior, which Steve's gonna be interesting because that's going to come five or four or five days after uh, they do the A&E biography on The Ultimate Warrior. So you talk about some differences, you're going to be able to compare and contrast that one, I would think. I have a feeling we'll have two different, very two very different stories told about The Ultimate Warrior. I mean, I, I could be surprised. I mean, it could end up being a hit job like the Savage one was, but uh, yeah. I'm thinking they'll probably have more positive spin on it. Well, uh, <laughs> let's see what happens with that. Uh, June 6th, you've got the the Grizzly Smith one, which ooh, we, oh, talk, we talk God. about family ones. That is going to be a rough one. Um, yeah, you want to talk about screwed up uh, family people. There, there. Grizzly ooh. right there is... Uh, Exhibit A right there. That's... And you wonder why Jake Roberts had the life he had. Yeah. You know, we'll find out. I'm sure. I'm, I'm going we'll to lie to you. Sure. Like seeing Jake on these, these A&E ones, I keep looking. Every time he comes on the screen, I'm like, how does that guy look as good as he looks right now? Like on DDP, right? Like that's it. DDP. Like, that yeah, is it, that's, man. That's what it is right there, um, the DDP. DDP. And then you go from Grizzly Smith on June the 6th to Dynamite Kid on June 13th, which... Is they get screwed up, people. I was gonna say, go. which is another one. Um, you know, Kim Wood. I think that I think Kim Wood mentioned him in the Observer Radio uh, interview, where he. I don't think he was a huge uh, Dynamite no. Kid fan at all. So no, um, most people weren't. <laughs> no, so uh, that's that. But quickly on the Savage thing, just again, we're gonna we're gonna try to touch on a lot of this stuff, and we'll probably tie in the A and E ones too, if if there's anything particularly interesting. But like I watch, you know, I watched the Austin one. And then I, I've still, actually, I've still got to finish the, the Roddy Piper when I'm almost through it. But like, then I watched the Savage one next because I was wondering, you know, everyone's talking about it. And I'm like, all right, I need to watch this. I watched it a couple of days after it came on and I'm thinking, is it really as bad as some of the people are saying? And as I'm going through it, I'm like, yep, like it is <laughs> like, it is as bad as people are saying. I just, I could not believe some of the, the I mean, it's like you go from that first hour to the second hour. But it's not just that. Like, it's the, the Bubble the Love Sponge stuff. And every time Hogan and Vince are on screen, I'm thinking, we are literally painting Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon as, like, these two guys who were trying to, you know, save Randy Savage and all this other stuff. I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, what yeah. an unbelievable <laughs> narrative this is. You know, it probably wouldn't have bothered me as quite as much as it did, except uh, when you go back to watching the Stone Cold Steve Austin one. Yeah. And we all love Austin. I mean, you know, we all love Austin these days. Stone Cold has done a lot to uh, turn his life around as well. But uh, he had his faults. He he had his moments, which they didn't touch on at all. Yeah. I don't think Deborah's name was mentioned once on that show. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> but boy, did we talk about Gorgeous George. And mm. boy, did we talk about the, the Elizabeth. We talked about all that stuff with Randy Savage. And. It was also weird because if speaking of WD documentaries, they finally did one on the Macho Man. I forget what year it was. Uh, 
Uh, it was before he got put in the Hall of Fame, I think. They yeah. did a Macho Man doc, and that one was uh, a lot kinder to Macho Man. I don't know what happened years years in between. I don't know what happened to make him go down a different road. And I I don't mean to say Savage is an angel either. I mean, I have I don't doubt the validity of anything Gorgeous George said. I'm sure whatever she says happened probably happened to it happened. I don't doubt any of that at all. But at the same time, when we're whitewashing these other guys and we're just kind of throwing Savage under the bus, and then there are some other things involving Mosh Man, some certain rumors, and we yeah. don't touch on any of that at all, of course. And Vince was there. <laughs> well, there are certain things that it's funny how there are certain topics that we don't broach on these shows when we have people there that could possibly shed some light on the subjects. We don't ask Vince about certain things involving Macho Man. Um, I, I believe I'm saw, I saw Triple H on the Booker T documentary, and we don't mention certain things with Triple H and Booker no. T from Re- WrestleMania. That that kind of gets... Uh, then the, we, we found out they did something with that, and they didn't show it. Yeah. So it's kind of weird how certain things get, get uh, thrown out and certain things get highlighted, and it's just... I, it's weird how that works. And, you know, Lanny, what about Lanny here, for God's sakes? Yeah. <laughs> this guy, what the, this guy apparently never talked to Macho Man about anything in his life. Uh, they never, they never, so they never talked about their gimmick or the career or anything like that. And you know, Lanny's just a weird dude, man. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I, I think he goes along, get along, doesn't he? Yeah, he's um, <laughs> Lanny something. Um, but it's like I, which I guess they, you know, they talked about like, well, you have different producers for each of these. But it's like, let's be honest here. Like, you may have different producers and whatever, like directors for some of the stuff. But like, we all know who the main director of this entire narrative and story is going to be. Um, that's WWE, and I think the fact that they somehow thought that they could not tell this story of the macho man without Bubba the love sponge in there as much as he was <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, and, and let me say this too, because Dan Soder, the, the comedian who was in there, the line at the end from him about which look, I, I'm someone I, I get like, I, you know, you try to be funny and, and I, I understand, but like the line at the end for him saying like, you know, going through macho man's death. And he's like, well, what a, you know, what a macho man way to go. And all this stuff. I'm thinking, is this guy really saying this? Like, and I mean, one thing if he actually knew the guy. Exactly. It's like, what do, what, I mean, here, and someone else pointed this out. I cannot remember where I saw this, right? I would love to give him credit, but someone pointed out that it felt like you were watching, like, I love the 90s on VH1. Because, <laughs> like, you, you remember, like, you have these, like, lineup of comedians and you've got a radio personality and you've got, yeah. you know, like, that's what it felt like. And it was such a different thing from watching the others, where it's like, am I watching I love, you know, the 80s right now or something? Because, that's what it felt like when you added on all these people that had no, I have no problem with Peter Rosenberg, but are you telling me that Peter Rosenberg is, didn't he say something like Macho Man had a great seven year run? Seven years? That's it? Seven years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and they definitely, they definitely, uh, speaking of uh, Dice W getting some discs, they definitely blew over that whole Dice W thing. They, yeah. they gave him no credit for any of that. And they didn't know, you know, they could ask Vince other things, not just about Stephanie. They could have asked him, hey, why did you take Macho Man into the announce booth in 93? Why didn't you want him to wrestle anymore? I, I didn't see him address that. And that's something that's always been a hotly debated topic because that was the main reason Savage made the move to WCW because he was not done in the ring. He wanted to wrestle more. And uh, you could have asked Vince about that, but you didn't. <laughs> And not even to go in like the Jerry Lawler inaccuracy with Macho Man. Oh gosh! I mean, <laughs> they all tell that that's 
they all tell that story. Bruce Pritchard tells the same yes. damn story about how he uh, Savage randomly pops up on the episode of Nitro, which was like two years <laughs> later, but whatever. <laughs> it's like fact checking, man. If you're going to do this stuff, like fact check, fact check. But as we know, the facts don't matter. It's whatever narrative you want to spin. Um, and for me, above all else, the one thing that bothered me the most as a writer um, who enjoys the English language you're telling me we can't spell Lex Luger's name right? Like, how does that make the cut? Like, how do you spell Lex Luger's name wrong? Oh, uh, they don't like they don't like Lex. Let's be no. honest. No, well, that there's another one, and, and I hope it's not. Which I mean, the Lex Luger thing can be part of the dark side of the ring based on how that happened. But like, Lex is someone like I think he. You know, we talk about guys who come out on on the other side and at the right side of things. That's a dude that at least. I don't know, like he is maybe unlike some of the others where he has taken responsibility and obviously you're not going to look back and say Lex was a perfect person in any sense of the word, but that at least looks like a guy who has found peace with kind of what happened and and is kind of trying to put the right foot forward, which we've seen a lot of that over the years and you've seen various stories um, that people have done on him, uh, but it's just, I don't know, like he's someone else that you look at and you're like, man, there's a guy that certainly had a really messed up a portion of his life and at least for now um seems to be uh, on the right side of it so uh, yeah i i have no problem with luger but man it's luger is one of those guys where uh, he somehow managed to rub everybody in the wrong way one way or another yeah because that guy gets no credit for anything no <laughs> especially you know back when they're doing the legends of wrestling roundtables back in the day they and, you know, if you had back when everybody and their sister did a shoot interview back in 2000s, they were all lying up to bury Lex Luger. Yeah. Nobody had a good word to say about that guy, <laughs> except Sting. Sting liked him. Sting was his friend. That was the one guy who liked him. And uh, so I'm glad he's come out on the other side. And it looks like he's, you know, I, he's walking again, I believe. I, I heard somewhere he's walking now. So that's good. He's had some he's had some physical problems, which I think will do. I think they'll make you change your thought process on things. That'll give you a different perspective. And there's also the religious bit, which will give you a different perspective. So he's in a different place now, and good for him on that. And honestly, for his sake, it's probably best he stay away from a lot of these people because yeah. they're all they're all still insane. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think Lex is, like you said, uh, I think you look at what he's done. I mean, he, it's, it's well-documented, kind of. He's, he's certainly changed his philosophy on life. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm sure, you know, there will be stories like this at some point with him just based on that part of his life. but. Um, he at least, I mean, he comes across much better in some of these, uh, documentaries than, um, like we said, others do, uh, for sure. But, uh, Steve, this has been fun. Uh, we knew there would be a lot to talk about as I sort of tease, we're going to try to do this for uh, a lot of these here moving forward, specifically with dark side of the ring, but we will bring up, uh, some of the stuff they do, um, probably hopefully not as bad, uh, with some of the A and E, uh, biographies and such, uh, moving forward. But, uh, well, I, mean, I cannot wait to hear which what I can't wait to hear the ten minute segment they have on the Hulk Hogan match. Oh god! Because they have Hulk yeah. Hogan, they're gonna have Hulk Hogan on every one of these damn things. No, they will. Like you know that he's gonna be on every uh, one of them. Um, because oh yeah. he will be the he will be the person in the right. He will be the uh, the <laughs> he will be the main driving force behind anything good these people ever did. Well, I'm I'm very <laughs> sure to see like with the Bret Hart one. Like, oh. you, you think they're gonna go into the 1993? I, yeah, we'll we'll see about that. I wonder there's what Hogan. Been, now, what, there's a good question. What what is the status of Bret's relationship with him these days? Is he are they good? Or are they bad? It's, I can't tell anymore. I so who knows what we, what we might get out of it. Well, uh, either that or we'll get two hours on the Montreal Screwjob, which at this point it's like 
come on, man, give me give me something new. Um, we'll see. That that is a part of the story. We know it'll be mentioned on that one and the Shawn Michaels one and the Shawn one. There'll yeah. be there'll be four hours on Montreal Screwjob. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I, well, it'll I, be three hours. It'll be one hour on Sean Fadden guy. There'll be one hour on. Well, that. that that may be part of it too. But um, yeah. And I hope they asked Vince about the time he had. I, I hope they asked Vince about Black, Backlash 2006 where they wrestled God. But I I think they'll probably uh, skate over that one. Yeah, I. <laughs> I just did the uh, just listen to the Pritchard podcast uh, on that uh, with him talking about. Oh that. God, I can't. Oh, I'm sure Did, he, had he didn't have a lot to say. I'll, I'll say that he didn't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, it was <laughs> it was interesting. If, if you want to read some of the comments, four one one mania dot com. There's a cheap plug. Um, check mm-hmm. it out because uh, yeah, put up a few comments from that on the site. Steve, I know you got stuff uh, coming up on the site. Uh, you've actually got uh, a very special uh, column coming up, which I know listeners of this podcast over the years um will know that we'll probably appreciate very much um so be sure to uh, plug all that stuff let everybody know what we got coming up there well we got we got the botch com going on as well and i'm a little i'm wondering where that's gonna go with all these with all these youtube accounts yeah. getting struck down these days and all this all the twitter accounts getting struck down i don't know what we're gonna do with that column to be honest with you we'll keep doing as long as we can there folks so we'll see how that goes and yeah, we still do the ROH stuff. And uh, he mentions the top seven column and uh, the next one we have coming out. I don't know when we'll have it. It'll probably be sometime within the next week or so, I'm sure, because I know everybody knows we're coming up on a uh, on a sad anniversary for 41mania.com. But uh, I think it's as good a time as any to look back at some of the uh, look back some of the work of Larry Zonka over the years. So I took a look back in, into the archives. I found seven columns that I thought were really good stuff and kind of highlighted some of Larry's best qualities and it's kind of kind of what made made Larry Larry. So I hope you all will check that out and hopefully remind you of some of the great columns that you enjoyed from Larry over the years, which uh, I know if you're listening to this, you probably had a bunch. Yep. I have already read it and I will tell you it's uh, fantastic. And yes, it will be up on the site uh, here within the probably as you're listening to this, probably within the next several days. So um, yes, be sure to check that out. 41mania.com, all of Steve's stuff. We'll put the link to that. Um, we'll also go back in this episode uh, once the column's up on, on Larry Zonka. We'll put that in the link uh, to this episode as well. Uh, so check all that out on 411mania.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, uh, any podcast app you use. Just search for 411 on wrestling and subscribe there. And uh, thanks as always uh, for listening to the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on wrestling podcast. <laughs>